the Wandermore Podcast, a podcast for travel enthusiasts, restless nomads, and excursionists alike. I'm Colleen. My name is Paul, and on today's agenda, we're looking to kick off our long weekend series with St. Michael's, Maryland. Right now, it's fall here in D.C., and we've hit below 60-degree weather for the first time this season. And so with the seasonal changes, we're moving away from the longer trips that we would plan over the summer to kind of some quick getaways and excursions that would be two, three nights uh, within a couple hours of Richdown. On today's show, we're going to give a little glimpse into the seaside town of St. Michael's, Maryland. And for my birthday this year, which was just a couple months ago, we visited southern Italy, so the Amalfi Coast, and we had pit stops on either end of that trip in London, which it feels like we can't possibly fly over London without landing in London. So um, it was it was really nice to, to bookend the trip with, with, uh, with some M&S. And mainly because London is at least one of my favorite cities I've ever visited. Um, so any chance to sneak it in there, even if it doesn't 100% make logistical sense, um, but it wasn't out of the way. Of so course it not. felt appropriate. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> and then for my birthday, we had just moved from San Francisco to D.C., so uh, we ended up doing a kind of East Coast tour, one that we hadn't done in a while. We hit up little areas like Newport, Rhode Island and Boston and Portland, Maine. That's like prime time to go to all three of those areas. You're forgetting the creative capital of Rhode Island, which is <laughs> Providence, where we actually lived for a couple of years. Of course, Providence, uh, home of RISD. Yeah, and um, I think there's a culinary school there too, Johnson and Wales. Yes, and um, Brown. And yes. Brown, yeah. Oh, right, yes, Brown, of course. Somehow got the end of the list. <laughs> and all these places we'll certainly talk about in a future podcast. Moving backwards to St. Michael's. What made you pick St. Michael's? Because you were the one to originally pick this trip back in 2013. Yeah, so this time I picked St. Michael's because it was the 10th annual Simpatico Italian Wine and Food Festival. World famous. So actually, there are two wine festivals um, in St. Michael's. And when we talk about how small this town is in a little bit, you'll, you'll kind of understand how amazing that is. And how it takes over the town. It right? really does, yeah. yeah. This is sort of the second wine festival. There's a larger one in April, I believe. Yep, April 26, 2020. If you guys want to go to St. Michael's then, it's a great time to go. It's much larger, the one in April. I think there was yeah. something like 150 vendors versus uh, this one was probably around, what, 35? Centralized on, um, on Italian wines and food. It Which was, was appropriate because we had just come back exactly. from southern Italy. And surprisingly did not have enough wine while there. So this was to remedy that. And St. Michael's is on the Chesapeake Bay. When you think about Chesapeake Bay, you think about different types of food. What's sort of interesting about St. Michael's is this town was literally saved by oysters. By that, okay, my favorite mollusk. Yeah. And no saved disagreement. <laughs> so um, years ago, after World War One, St. Michael's became a important oyster trading spot throughout the Chesapeake Bay. They had a lot of these boats that were constructed from wood that was from ships. Because they were a big shipbuilding area. Yeah, they were. Mm -hmm. Not only was the town saved by this oystering industry, most of those canoes, in fact, nine of the 22 canoes that still exist, initially were built for dredging oysters, are on the National Historical Registry. Which is awesome. Yeah, so that's pretty cool that this tiny town has um, nearly half of the ship-based 
historical registered places in the U.S. I think that's pretty cool. And it's also interesting because you think of Maryland, you, you think of crab yes, generally. As a means to marketing the crab meat, uh, Frederick, who's the owner of Colborne and Jewett, created a five-level grading system, which is still used in the industry today. You're a crab fan. Love crab. Can you name any of the levels? When you are at a schmancy uh, white tablecloth restaurant and you see crab on the menu, what is a descriptor you typically see next to it? I see lump crab. Yes, yes. <laughs> I think that's one of the more popular ones. Okay. Lump is definitely one. Okay. It's a very sexy name too, by the way. <laughs> Just some some pure seafood girth for your liking. <laughs> exactly. Okay, any others you can name? Like regular? Yes. <laughs> Surprisingly, regular is another category. We want to keep it easy to remember and simple. Any others? I, I can't possibly think of any other ones. There is claw, huh. special, and backfin. Okay. I think I've heard of backfin. I feel like I'm a bad DMV person right now not knowing all these, but... I feel like Backfin was the name of that bar we went to in Pacific Beach. That sounds like that's more, that's about. probably where my head is. <laughs> and they were the ones that use slushy style ice in cocktails. Oh, nice. Classy is what you're we, saying. we never went back to again. So. <laughs> <laughs> the oyster appeal is obviously what drew you to the area. Yeah, yeah. And St. Michael's is kind of an interesting mix between like a touristy destination and a second home location. So given its access to the Chesapeake Bay and proximity to all the cities around here, including D.C. and Baltimore. It's, it's an interesting mix of, of close-knit community because there are only about a 1,000 year-round residents. It makes it smaller than a lot of the towns that maybe you and I would have experienced on the Jersey Shore or in Cape Cod where we went as kids. It's a smaller town for sure. Right, because for example, so Easton is kind of its larger area next door, and that's well over 12,000 people year-round. We're going to get into it a little bit later, but honestly, when you see the town, you'll kind of understand the layout lends itself to a small number of homes. This time we went to St. Michael's in October. It was the second weekend of October. Last time we went summertime. July timeframe is probably one of the busiest months. I mean, we went for a long weekend for this trip, and a long weekend is the max, I would say, for spending in St. Michael's. I would say the duration of this past trip was pretty spot on. It was. I will say I would have liked to add another night, mm. only because the festival was most of Saturday, which was lovely. While I'm not one to be pro-day drinking, it was, I mean, it was 70 degree temperatures and um, still kind of the fall vibe in the air. Yeah. So, um, the only reason I would have said maybe an extra day is because that took up a huge chunk of time. But typically, I would say across the board, a long weekend is perfect for St. Michael. Let's talk about packing. Obviously, this varies depending on the time of the year. In our case, this was October. We haven't done a trip to East Coast area in the fall in like five years. I, I think six years. Wow. Okay, six years. Yeah. I, two years San Diego, two Seattle, two San Francisco. Yes. So we're, we're basically um, getting reacquainted with this entire temperature variation. Well, actually seasons, I think. Yeah, actual seasons. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about temperatures. I started talking about this before, but average temps run a, a bit warmer. Average around 73 and a low of 60. It's actually the lowest chance of rain all year. Um, when's the highest chance of rain? It is July, which is not unlike a lot of the Chesapeake Bay towns simply because of the thunderstorms that can roll in over the water. Maybe a light jacket or a shoulder sweater? 
shoulder sweater. It feels on brand. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I mean, really light layers because it's, you know, it's still really nice and beautiful to visit at this time. Yeah. I think I ended up just having, I packed a jean jacket, which was my extra layer. And then other than that, I was just wearing open-toed shoes and dresses. (laughs) (laughs) But Paul kind of took a very different approach. Yeah, I mean, I basically did uh, button-ups 100% of the time, and um, and I, I any chance I get to wear boat shoes, I take it. Okay, so let's talk about, in addition to packing, something that we always try to keep in the back of our heads, pending the place we're visiting, there is kind of a, a vibe of a dress code to be aware of. So given the proximity of St. Michael's to D.C., I would definitely say the attire is a bit more buttoned up. Yeah, and hence the, the button-ups, literally, that I was wearing. And, then I, you know, like the kind of polo shirt, that kind of vibe. Yes, I would say resort casual. Oh, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> it was like we were cruising. <laughs> but we weren't. We, were we not. We, we do not own a boat. <laughs> or a cruise ship. Or a cruise ship or a yacht of any kind. <laughs> okay, so um, getting to St. Michael's, if you are within a couple hours, absolutely drive. And while you don't really need a car when you're there, it's just the easiest way to get there. In D.C., we were just under two hours away for the wedding. Yeah, and we tend to just rent a car. We have a couple different places that are right by us. Um, one is hilariously like two blocks away from where we live. So it kind of works out perfectly for us to just pick up a car and get out of the city. Yeah, because we're decidedly carless, hence uh, living in cities that are very walkable. But with that and loving to explore, we do get to kind of know our local car rental place. Shout out to our BFF Libby at Avis at the Georgetown Park. (laughs) Thank you for your help every time. The drive for us, at least from DC, um, was beautiful. You approach the Chesapeake Bay Bridge, which, fun fact, opened in 1952, and with a a length of about four and a half miles, it was the world's longest continuous overwater steel structure at the time. Okay, so just under two hours from DC, what about New York? About three and a half hours. Okay, Philly? I'd say maybe two hours. Okay. And Baltimore. I think you could probably get from Baltimore to to St. Michael's in an hour and a half. Okay. That makes sense because that that would be the closest airport. But all really New York, Philly, and obviously Baltimore, feasible long weekends. So if you're not driving, what's the best way to fly near St. Michael's? I'd probably avoid the D.C. airports and I would go um, probably fly into Baltimore. Uh, the Baltimore-Washington International. Okay, BWI, airport code. And then once you're there, you rent a car, and it's a straight shot. So it's pretty easy. So we're there. What about accommodations? What made you pick the hotel we went to? So we ended up staying at the St. Michael's Harbor Inn which Hotel. Which beautiful. Which was right on the water in the sort, of, um, sort of inlet right in the center of town. I chose that because th- that was the place originally we went to. And so centrally located. Um, and again, this town isn't very big but um it it's it helps to be close to the, the shops okay so you picked a hotel what about b&b's or airbnb definitely not airbnb that wasn't really a thing and the options that were even there were were pretty terrible yeah agreed we did do a circle back after our weekend there to see if we were kind of missing out because obviously nostalgically we want to stay at the same hotel thing um there were none near downtown um, there were some near Easton, but it's it's not going to be your best bet. There are some B&Bs. Yeah, the original B&B. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> because it's a historical downtown, so they're they're utterly adorable. The Harbor Inn, yeah, it's, it is on the harbor it itself. Is. All the rooms have a water view, whether you're looking out at the bay or the inlet or the pool. 
so it's kind of an interesting setup and it jets right out and actually most of the rooms look out at these restaurants, which we'll talk about in a second, um, that are right across the water. So it's really cool to see the vibe before you get to go to these restaurants and bars. Other notable places to stay is the Inn at Perry Cabin. It's a beautiful building. It dates back to the colonial era, and it's the site of one of the original land grants from the English crown to the New World. It was built over 200 years ago as a home of a naval commander where the white clapboard mansion was a farm, a riding academy, and a six-room inn before (laughs) Sir Bernard Ashley, yes, that Ashley, husband of designer Laura Ashley. I knew that. (laughs) I knew that before going to St. Michael's, by the way. Turned it into a luxury hotel and since it's expanded to 78 rooms, two restaurants, a pool, spa, gardens, tennis courts, and a golf course. And I think there's bocce somewhere mixed in there. We did pass bocce. Yeah, yeah. It, now, so Maybe now, it's BYOB, bring your own bocce. <laughs> that would be awesome. Um, if you didn't know Laura Ashley or any of that history about this um, famous cabin, then you may just recognize the inn as the main wedding reception in the film Wedding Crashers. And if you don't know what we're talking about, you should go rewatch that movie because it's a great glimpse into this seaside St. Michael's to give you a visual of kind of what we're talking about. It is. A thing we really love to do across the board when we're traveling is find any either YouTube videos on the area we're going to visit. Like when we went to Rome, right before that we watched Roman Holiday. Yes. You know, there are several other B&Bs smattered throughout the downtown. Um, I think I remember there was one named Ada's Victoriana and then there was... um, Parsonages. Those are both great options because they're right downtown if you're into the B&B scene. Both highly reviewed. In terms of transportation, once you're there, every place that we've referenced and will reference, just including to, our hotel, including our hotel, to put in perspective, are all within a, a, a 10 minute walk to downtown. Downtown itself can be walked in probably, what, 20 minutes from end to end. So if you're strolling, if you're doing a nice southern stroll, I would say. Right. If you're doing the very aggressive K and P walk, I would say maybe like fifteen minutes. Okay. <laughs> Perfect. And Talbot Street is really the only road through town. It stretches roughly a mile and a quarter. Super walkable, super adorable. Check with your hotels because a lot of them offer bikes. Ours did. I know the Inn at Perry Cabin also offered bikes. There are a bunch of bike trails in Talbot County. Uh, which brings us to things to do. Yeah, so there are six main trails for biking and running that range from 20-so miles to nearly 40 miles. Which is crazy. One of them is the Oxford St. Michael's Bike Trail, which is actually recognized as one of the premier bike trails in the Mid-Atlantic region. Incredible. Um, So if that's your thing, I mean, it's there. I would say most famous uh, local spots is the Chesapeake Bay Maritime Museum, which is... Adorable. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a must-see for sure. Um, it's an 18-acre museum, and it owns the largest collection of Chesapeake Bay watercraft. Many of those are registered with the National Historic Society. It also has a lighthouse that is around 150 years old, and it has many exhibits on oysters and crab picking, and it even has a waterman's wharf shanty. Which, I mean, when do you have the opportunity to see that? I mean, I didn't think that was actually a real thing, but I'm really happy to hear that it is a thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, once you're tuckered out from the museum, but you still want to get your shopping on, there's the, so Talbot Street, again, it has a ton of 
different shops as you walk along mixed in with the restaurants with galleries gift shops you can definitely walk home with some saint michael's clothing for sure <laughs> knickknacks um, and then there's some pretty cool antique stores yeah and two of my favorites are blue crab for coffee and justine's for ice cream which we actually went to after we did the wine tasting at the festival and we got pumpkin which was divine. It was really good. And Colleen's been trying to get me in a pumpkin. <laughs> and it was just the last thing I needed. It was so good. Yeah, which, spoiler, who knew pumpkin was a thing? But um, we got it, and it was fantastic. And we tried, I would say, like four or five different types. Yeah. Okay, what to next? So first of which is the Lion Distilling Co. It's a micro-rum distillery. Love it. And um, if it's 5 o'clock, we've actually missed the distillery-led tour, which is 2 to 4. Okay, so it's 3.30. Okay, it's 3.30. We snuck in. But no, they have a, a tour that's put on by the, the actual distillery, which is really cool to walk you through the entire process. There's complimentary tastings all day, and they're open till 6. So if you don't want the structure necessarily of a tour, or you have somewhere else to go, but you want to taste the, the rum, then better get there before 6. Okay, so there's free rum is what free you're rum. saying on Saturdays. Yes. Okay, sounds wonderful. After the rum, before the rum, in addition to the rum, right next door to this. Directly is, next door. <laughs> is the St. Michael's Winery. They do wine tastings starting at 11 a.m. So if you're an early bruncher. That's when just, I start. You can roll on in. <laughs> <laughs> they have over uh, 18 different wines in their cellar. So there's a lot of variance pending what your palate is with wine. Uh, the tasting fee is a dollar per wine, which... Unbelievable. Coming from San Francisco area with Napa, I think tastings there were 20 and up. So that sounds great to me. Now I'm tearing up. <laughs> and so they are open every day during the week till 5 and Sunday till 4. So we unfortunately have actually never gone because we've missed them both times yeah and if you're not into wine or rum i don't know who you are but <laughs> but there's also kind of the beer option there's um eastern shore brewing co they offer beer flights and live music um every friday and saturday pretty much um, oh i didn't know he did live music too yeah th that would probably be the only way we would get there i would say <laughs> given that it's beer but are they're open a lot later than the um distilling co and the winery until okay. um, 8 p.m Oh, okay. Um, and 10.30 on the weekend. So yeah. if nothing else, I think you should head in there. And they are also in this block. It's kind of the, the, the distillery, the winery, and then the brewing company. And I don't know what the buildings were used for before, but they're very like this kind of um, industrial barn type space. Yeah, they, they almost look like they housed hay or and I not, I mean I think they might have like because the tops yeah they were definitely uh, they had a weird like old farm vibe yeah and it's the northernmost part of Talbot Street you're not gonna miss it Ava's Pizzeria and Wine Bar it's open till nine on most nights so a little bit on the earlier side be aware but 9 30 on the weekends when we went they were packed there were people all huddled in a very small kind of like foyer area and we decided because of that we were gonna just do takeaway mm -hmm. and thank god they allowed it which i know sounds weird but not a lot of places in saint michael's allow takeaway especially because the town is pretty small and, and if there are a lot of visitors it, it's a consideration for sure and how you structure your evening um so at ava's we had a um i think it was like a mediterranean pizza 
And in terms of like size of the pizzas, they lean more on the Neapolitan style size where they're just slightly larger than a personal pizza. And we're eaters, so we definitely got more than one. I mean, that was not our first meal of the day. But they're not if you if you grew up near New York or Jersey. It's, uh, yeah, it's yeah. not a New York style pizza. <laughs> no. Nothing at all related to New York style pizza. But still good. Yeah. So another place that we went, it was highly ranked, and it's open later during the week. It's, I think, 10 or 11, maybe on the weekends, 11? Yeah, 11 on the weekend. Okay. So is, is Lemoncello. And Lemoncello... Uh, Italian, obviously. Yeah, Italian food, pizza, had both pizza and pasta, <laughs> which coming back from our trip from Italy, we found was more difficult to find than I expected. Separatist. <laughs> yeah. So we had an appetizer there that was really good. Mm-hmm. What was that? Yeah, it was the it was the polenta. We have not had polenta in forever. Oh, yeah. And it's so good. And we saw it on the menu and we're like, well, we're absolutely having this just to encourage ourselves to cook it more often at home mm-hmm. so it was the polenta with mushroom okay um yeah. theme of this weekend <laughs> but it's great and it was really good uh, it was a decent sized portion for an appetizer um so that i would definitely say was one of the better items that we got yeah the other the other items i think we we got a couple you know they called them pizzas but i i would have called them flatbread honestly yeah. i feel like we had what did we have um a risotto dish mm-hmm. with shrimp mm-hmm. and asparagus yeah that yeah. was i think that was probably the highlight, I would say. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so maybe maybe stay away from their flap. I'm sorry, their pizza, <laughs> and um, and go for their entrees. It was also pretty packed there across the board. Kind of this was that weekend, which we later discovered it was a long weekend. It was yeah. Columbus Day weekend, which now makes more sense well, how and, packed it was. Right, and sort of since we, we work for ourselves, it's kind of um, sometimes we forget the actual holiday schedule. And the banking holidays. So it's kind of funny when we stumble upon a, a, a U.S. holiday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then so the other place that we didn't get a chance to go to this time, but I think was our top place, our last visit, was the St. Michael's Crab and Steakhouse. And so, okay, I, I just have to interject. Why did we not get to go there this time? Because I think this is pretty funny. Well, okay, so the first night we were trying to narrow down which was the place we went to, which I know sounds ridiculous, but they all kind of look exactly the same. They do. They all kind of have this Key West tiki style bar in the back by a dock overlooking the water. We finally were able to find one picture and I was like, okay, I'm absolutely certain that was the wooden bar we sat at. (laughs) So... We were excited to go there. We had just gotten a happy hour drink at this cute pub, which we'll get to in a minute. I called them on the way to see how long the wait was, and it just kept ringing. And so I just assumed it's because they were busy. And then when I got there, the restaurant was completely flooded. Crazy. Yeah, and and there are a couple other spots that we didn't have time to go to. So Gina's Cafe, which is right next to the St. Michael's Winery. Great patio space, very well-priced, good reviews. Other one that we... Oh, and they're actually known for their shore nachos, which I feel like is something that you would enjoy, where it's like loaded nachos with crab meat all over. The other place that we actually tried to go to was Awful Arthur's Seafood Company. Now, the name says a lot. Yes, right. I I wanted it to be ironic, (laughs) but... So, first of all, great outdoor space, fire pits, everything. It was really cool vibe when we walked in but it just was too busy it was really really busy and i guess they they wouldn't do takeaway and their reasoning was 
They only had one oven. So I don't know what you, there's not much to say to that. You just kind of like, okay. And then you walk out. So, and we tried to go there actually twice. <laughs> yeah, we did. Once for a late lunch and once for dinner. We thought that the second time we went back was for a quite later dinner. And so we thought we'd be in the clear, but no. For some reason, we didn't. they didn't even cross our radar the first trip. Yeah, I, I'm trying to figure out why. But when we were walking around Talbot Street earlier that day, we definitely caught eyes with it because, again, they have fire pits, but they have this beautiful side patio area that is just like hanging with the string lights and it has the fire pits so they're the circular ones and they have the Adirondack chairs it's very like cozy camp beach resort vibe so I will say it is beautiful yeah and it is very well priced um some of the places in St. Michael's as we'll get to are a little bit pricier I think average cup of coffee as a reference point is around three dollars so you definitely get the remnant DC cost of things despite this being a place that has only a thousand people year round and is two hours outside of DC that's why everyone's there (laughs) great atmosphere uh well-priced well-reviewed seafood unfortunately it just didn't work out for us (laughs) yeah and so there's one other it's sort of a it's a food place but it will definitely segue into our next discussion as well um Carpenter Street Saloon charming pub vibe good food great reviews great Price point open later. I think it's open till midnight or so. Yeah. Um, and maybe even almost, I think, 1.30 on the weekends. Yeah. So definitely tag this as a late night spot. There aren't a ton of them in St. Michael's. But this place, yeah, it's open till 1.30 a.m. And it's the local spot. Everyone being so friendly there, we struck up a lot of conversations. And people came back to saying that they really love this place. Because of that, it was packed. And we walked in and we walked out because there was no space. But... We did find space at some other places. If you're looking for some drinks, whether it's happy hour or you finish dinner, um, what was your favorite place? Okay. She knows the answer to this. It's (laughs) Foxy's Harbor Grill. So Foxy's is like this weird Margaritaville, Key West vibe. But in a good way. But in a good way, yeah. And so huge outdoor bar and patio right on the water. There's another bar actually around the corner that's still part of Foxy's that's a little bit more upscale, I guess. Interesting vibe that you can get from both of those places. But when we were there, we ran into a wedding party that was partying <laughs> the night before the wedding. Yeah, because um, we they... walked down the little ramp. Yes. And it was packed, consistent theme, but it was packed in a way that it felt like everyone knew each other. So we were kind of confused on what was going on. And we finally weasel our way into the bar. We get a space. We're waiting for the bartender to see us. And we start striking up this conversation with this dude next to us. Yeah. And so he is... Tyler. Shout out Tyler. Tyler. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. So he's having shots with the bartender, but also he's drinking a crush. Okay. What's a crush? For those people who have not been to the Eastern Shore... (laughs) <laughs> right. Typically, there's like some flavored vodka involved, some fruit juice, something sparkly like Sprite or club soda, finished off with a bunch of crushed ice, believe it or not. Um, and it's Baltimore's unofficial drink of summer. It is triple sec. And triple I feel sec. like okay. people who are diehard Marylanders will be very That's totally their names. <laughs> yeah, totally their names. By that description. Because the birthplace of the crush is actually in Ocean City, Maryland. And if you do, side note, if you do find yourself in Ocean City, you should definitely check out the Harborside Bar and Grill, where bartenders claim to have created the orange crush, 
in when 1995. That was the year of Spice Girls dominance. <laughs> yes. Let's go back to that. Exactly. Um, Jeter was a Yankee. <laughs> also a staple for the O's pregaming. Oh, and she's dropping O's like, you know, she's a huge baseball fan. Baltimore Orioles, for those who are not baseball. familiar with baseball. <laughs> Orange is the OG flavor, but now there are multiple spins on the string. So what was the one you got? So I got the mango crush because I am I'm so pro mango. <laughs> I, I know that's like very debatable topic and we'll save the comments for later. But yeah, mango is fantastic. Mango, the polarizing fruit. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> of the tropical Opinionated. fruit arena. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So other popular flavors are a blood orange or a grapefruit, which you can see kind of the citrus type variants. Um, but some bars offer strawberry crushes or my favorite, watermelon basil. Basil. Yes. Have we have I ever had a had basil in a in a drink? Not basil. I feel like, unfortunately, savory cocktails have not gotten the attention they deserve. We did have a very good savory cocktail at that place you hated in San Francisco. Oh, is it Rich Table? It is Rich Table. Okay. Fantastic reviews. It's great, a great bread. Restaurant. Yes, go for their bread. And they were one of the few places, I feel like, across the board, uh, maybe we need to get out there more, that we've had savory cocktails. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. watermelon basil. Yes, yes, your 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 favorite mix. <laughs> now, okay, so where what was your pick for a drink spot? Okay, so I would say that I loved the courtyard, which is located just off of the high tide bar at the Inn at Perry Cabin, because you kind of get a chance to roam the grounds, take in the whole experience that is the Inn at Perry Cabin. And when we went there, which we had gone there before. We actually sat in the high tide bar, but this time it was packed. <laughs> um, so we just took our drinks, classic hotel style. You can just kind of take your drinks wherever you want. That's To key. the courtyard. <laughs> it had all these trees that were covered in string lights and hanging lanterns and all these Adirondack chairs. Despite how packed the entire bar was, we were the only ones out there. So the fact that they followed us out, yeah. put on the fire pit... So I would definitely recommend that. And if you're there closer to colder temperatures, I would recommend the Purser's Pub, which is just around the corner from the high tide because they have a gorgeous fireplace. Yeah. And they have those like armchairs that you like sink like two feet down into. Those are literally my favorite thing on the planet. And you're just like enveloped in like velvet, rich grandfather or grandmother library vibe totally yeah i mean i am not one to go to the highbrow sort of hotel and bar until we do and then he loves it yeah but i have to say that the variance of different places mm. like that you can i mean you could just get a drink there and then just take it walk around and sit on the water i mean mm. there's so many different things you could do so that yeah. makes sense that you'd like that so like purser's pub is basically like that one scene in atonement and if you don't know what I mean, you need to go watch Atonement. <laughs> but moving on. Okay, what is your spot you'd pick? So I really enjoyed this pub called The Blackthorn. And it was typical, like, pub vibe. But I don't say typical. I mean typical in a good way. Like, it was, it was exactly oh, what, what you expect. It it's wasn't why pubs are great. And the first time I ever went into a pub in a city, I, I remember just thinking, and actually this happens pretty consistently, you're not given a menu or anything. What was your first pub? I think it's Molly Darcy's, mm, where we met. Yes. 
there's no like menu it's like assume that you'll already know what you want to drink which at first i took kind of (laughs) i took kind of negatively i was like oh why why am i not given options for what i can drink but the reality is that there's a couple good things on the menu always and everyone likes them fish and chips Yes. And white wine. So Blackthorn definitely has fish and chips. Um, great happy hour. I think it's $5 wine. Yeah. Which will offset the $13 cocktail. She's rounding down for my... $15 cocktail. <laughs> yeah. at... In a pair of cabin. Yes. Yeah. It was... Yes. Exactly. Exactly. Between the two... So $10 drinks. Exactly. Two drinks for $20. Exactly. <laughs> but um, Blackthorn's open till 2 every day, 2 a.m. Mm-hmm. So... Um, so late night bar alert we have two so far that's yeah. the second yeah and legitimately good food and drink yeah and they have a whole upstairs also so one of those places that you can definitely go into there's enough space for you there's a good deal and worse comes to worse you you move upstairs another thing on the whole that we like to do when we're traveling we like to keep some kind of consistent bucket list items yeah and pubs are one of them because no matter where you are, whether you're in uh, St. Michael's or you're in San Diego or Edinburgh or Edinburgh or London, obviously, you can always find one pub. We like to add one into every trip and we kind of have this running list of our all our pub memories mm-hmm. that kind of tie together all our vacations. And God, I love a pub. <laughs> yeah, it's totally our anchor point to every single vacation. There's always a pub. Okay, so a couple of other things if you did stay the extra day, which you should. Yeah, I do regret not going to Tigman Island, mm. which is just south of St. Michael's. And How far away is it? I think it's maybe like a 15-minute ferry. Oh, okay. But it's a three-mile-long island, so it's not too big. <laughs> uh, but it is also, it's one of the last working waterman's villages in the Chesapeake Bay. Oh. I think there are actually two or three restaurants that I, I would have love to go to mm-hmm. before heading back on that ferry to go back to St. Michael's. So that was something that I, I do want to go to the next time. Also, I actually discovered recently when I was looking up Ava's Pizzeria, I realized that they had multiple locations, which was news to me because I just thought it was a local place there. And their other location is in Cambridge. Oh, cool. It's Cambridge, Maryland, which is just a 30 minute drive. And so basically it led me on kind of a, a Google Maps trail. But Cambridge is an awesome option if you have that extra day. It has a cute little downtown, also on the water, and it's much larger than St. Michael's. It actually has a population of 12,326. It's one of the oldest colonial cities in Maryland that was settled by English colonists in 1884. We were talking about Easton before. These are two sort of larger cities, and I'm air quoting that. That are within 30 minutes. So I think even if you just on the way out, you drove through the downtown of these, it's worth the detour on the way out of town. Future events to be aware of in St. Michael's because St. Michael's is wonderful at kind of embracing the seasonality. If you're there from April to November, they have a farmer's market on Saturdays. Oh, I think that's what I ran by. There were actually quite a few people walking back with like fruits and, and vegetables. And actually I saw this one guy who had like a baguette just popping out of his like reusable bag but i just saw the top of a baguette and he just looked so pleased and i I, it made me happy like how could you not start your day happy if you have a baguette we should all be so lucky (laughs) (laughs) and they also have a, a sip and shop so we have not been to this yet 
Um, we'll report back. We hope to go back to St. Michael's soon. But it seems like it's just a, a community event in which a lot of the local uh, store owners kind of have some, you know, some bites and some sips set up to encourage people to kind of walk around and, and chat with their neighbors. Every other Saturday, there's an art walk event from 5 to 7.30. Which we have in Seattle, and I love. And again, with the small town community feeling, why not? You'll make some friends. It'll be great. Speaking of things that we like to do on every trip, like we talked about before with the pubs, is we like to do a picnic in every area we visit. Yeah, so (laughs) picnic picks. So there's a really cute store downtown i think it's the village shop yes the village shop it's adorable it's like the general store you had in your hometown but it also has really good cheese and good wine yeah um very important this village shop it was right yeah right downtown you know we typically try and find like a a bakery to get like some really cool bread yes um this is bakery or coffee shop or coffee shop Yeah. yeah cheese and crackers for sure so i would definitely stop there i think that's Great spot to pick up most of the essentials. And they also had wine. They, I mean, they had a bunch of yeah, stuff. Yeah, you can definitely get some wine there. Also, I feel like these are the places that quintessentially always have the mini jars of jam. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's that's the mecca. When we, have, when we can find sort of a mini, like, um, I think we got like this peppery. Yes, yes. It was like a black cherry pepper jam. Yes, that was, that was really good. And then the OG, consistent, never fail, if we can find the fig jam is always Fig wonderful. jam is, yeah, definitely. Yeah. That's the spot to find it. There is another grocery store called Grawls. Yeah, I mean, I would say the, the grocery store up the street is like a grocery store, which is helpful sometimes. But sure. the village shop is just adorable. And I think they were actually celebrating their like 50th anniversary. Yeah, there day, was an event. Was yeah. Fun. yeah. Yes, a hidden gem that everyone knows about. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> okay, so your three favorites. Okay, so um, I, I actually couldn't hide my excitement earlier. Foxy's is such a cool place. <laughs> It's just, it's a cool vibe. And you cheap drinks. This for the man who has not been to Key West yet. I know. Or New Orleans yet. And I've been to both. And let me tell you, when he finally goes. <laughs> I will be in heaven. Yeah, Foxy's. Like, this was, reminds me of Foxy's. It was, <laughs> exactly. And they'll be like, where's Foxy? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, no, Foxy's was awesome. I really liked it. I really liked the the drinks. You know, like there was food there. You can get like nachos and stuff. But we didn't, tacos, we didn't do that. Yeah. That kind of jam. But um, I just felt like... It, I can't imagine that place not being fun year-round. Even if it's freezing, it's going to be a, a good time. So yeah. Foxy's definitely stood out. How about you? What, what would be one of your favorites? Anything at the in at Perry Cabin? Mm. Just because it is... Okay, so it was very busy the whole weekend we were there. There were few places other than the pub that I felt like we could go into and not feel like someone was like, standing behind us waiting for our seat there are four different bars in there there are multiple restaurants plus all the outdoor space plus the bocce courts and just even wandering around this beautiful hotel yeah i love that place i feel like no matter what time of the year you can find a fireplace or you can sit on an adirondack chair outside you can see the boats coming in because they actually do this sailboat service that will pick people up it's a great little oasis when you feel like kind of every other place is a bit too packed or a bit too rowdy. I think I liked that experience more than I thought I would, but that's, as you alluded to earlier, par for the course, I would say. I also loved Yeah, what's, Black what's the last one? Blackthorn. Okay. Okay. I mean, yeah. I love that you can do it up. You can do the fish and chips. You can do like a very traditional 
you know, like um, bangers and mash. Bangers and mash. <laughs> if you're into that thing. Yeah. No, that is definitely a do again. Everyone was so nice there. Opposite. What, what would you skip? Yeah, I would skip getting food from Lemoncello. I just felt like it was a bit overhyped. If you want to do it, grab an awesome cocktail at the bar and get the polenta appetizer and then go on to the next. Okay. What about you? Tread lightly when it comes to the kitschy stores on Talbot Street. <laughs> um, do you mean the preppy redneck? There were also, there was one store that built itself as sort of a gallery artisan community store. This was not that. <laughs> and we spent way too long. One of those places where it's kind of awkward to leave once you're inside. Talbot Street is beautiful to stroll down, pop into a store, get a t-shirt, and then I think you're probably good. That goes a bit into our like souvenir thought process. We always like to have something to bring back home to remember the area. We've been grabbing coasters and matchboxes, which we use at home. And we definitely have four from Foxy's because the bartender was very excited to pass these along after she heard our philosophy on souvenirs. Yes, yes. So in the past, it's been things like grabbing Bloody Mary mix that also make great gifts. When we were in Lisbon, it was getting Jinja, which was the local liqueur. We're always on the lookout for things like that. So souvenir that we would actually use, and it'd remind us every time of that place, which is important. Absolutely. In terms of safety, it was very well lit. Yeah, you can meander at pretty much any hour of the day or night, and you'll be fine. St. Michael's is definitely not a place to feel uncomfortable in any way. Yeah, so I would say it's definitely high on the safety score. I do want to talk about the charm score. Another thing that we like to compare when we go place to place is um, like a 1 to 10 of how charming we think that given place is. In addition to safety scores, we like to use this metric across the board of every place we visit. 1 to 10 charm score, go. I would say a 7. There's this maritime colonial mm -hmm. aspect all the buildings are different every mm -hmm. house on the main drag talbot street is is different mm -hmm. um and we both grew up in sort of residential suburban connecticut where you tend to get these sort of either mcmansion oh houses God, toll or brothers. toll brothers yeah seriously they ruined everything <laughs> they did so not like that at all between that and the docks and the mm -hmm. water influence mm -hmm. i would give it a seven how about you maybe a six and a half okay just to switch it Room up for because i mean there's uh, Notting Hill in London, so <laughs> we need to make room. Right. But no, I would say it's utterly adorable. The whole street is very walkable. I would love to know what the zoning rules are because there were some houses you'd turn one corner over and there was a house that looked like it was from the 1800s that would have this historical designation next to it, which I do love about this area. There are a lot of historical districts and um, you can get really good views of the water if you just go a block off of the downtown. Yeah, it's a lovely area. I would definitely encourage you to visit. Paul, thanks so much. Thank you, Colleen. That's it for this edition of the Wandermore Podcast. Email us at podcast at wandermore.io. You can download our entire catalog of Wandermore when you subscribe. Just search for the Wandermore Podcast, we're the only one, in your podcast app of choice. I'm Colleen. Until we hang next time. Have a nice trip. <laughs>